0: Okay, good morning. It's great to see you uh, again. Hopefully, um, this will continue to happen each week now for the foreseeable future. But it's great to have people here and it's great to have you online with us this morning. As you can see, we've been decorating for Christmas this week. I say we, I haven't been decorating. (laughs) Beth, um, Beth Tulsi and her, her ladies have done the stage for us this week, which looks fantastic, so we're very thankful for that. Okay, we're going we're gonna to have our Bible reading now. Neil's going to come and read that for us. And actually, why don't we stand together while Neil reads it? It's for two reasons. One is because we've been sitting and we don't get a chance to stand at the moment. So why don't we stand? And secondly, the Word of God has power and it has reverence. And we want to we wanna honor that this morning. So Neil's going to come and do our Bible reading. And then James is going to come
1: and preach. The reading this morning is from the book of Luke chapter 2, and starting at verses 8 through to 20. So that's Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Great stuff. Thank you, Neil. Thank you.
0: It's good to see you everyone, good to have you here and everyone online. It's good to see if you're joining us for the first time, a really warm welcome to you. My name's James and I am one of the pastors here at BRBC. But to begin with, begin with this morning, I want to ask you a question. It's a simple question, but it goes like this. How do you unwrap your Christmas presents? What, what kind of unwrapper are you? Because I'm guessing... Uh, When when you're looking around the living room on Christmas morning, the extended family is there and the presents are being handed around, you're going to find people in the room who open their Christmas presents very differently. In in the room, you're probably going to find someone who who is the careful opener. Are are you a careful opener? You, You know those people? They have the present and they... Very, very carefully. I mean, you want to give us some tweezers, maybe, but just peel back the cellar tape, making sure that the design of the paper doesn't come off on the cellar tape. And they look like they're saving the paper, but they never do. It never gets reused. Are you a careful opener, or are you a wild opener? You know, never really got past the three-year-old stage. You know, when you go for opening of the presents, there is paper flying everywhere. You can't wait to get to the gift. Are you a wild opener? Or, or are you a peeker? You know peekers? You know what they do? They open one end of the present and then stare down the end of it. Are you one of them? Oh, that looks like a CD. Oh, no, no, pages. It's going to be a book. Or, ah, oh, socks again. Fantastic. Are you a peeker? Are you one of them? Or, or are you a waiter? You know the waiters? They're the people who hand them the present and they just sit there and just soak up the moment. Because it only comes around once a year. Yes, I've got the present. I'm going to just wait for a moment or two and enjoy this and try and make it last as long as I can. Or are you a piler? You know the pilers, they normally sit at the end of the sofa, don't they? And, and you, they're right near the arm of, arm of the sofa and they will pile their presents. And when it's all done, they will survey the mountain of presents that they have and kind of take a little bit of delight in that. Are you a piler? Or, or are you one of those nice, sacrificial, selfless people? Lastly, a deliverer. You know what a deliverer does? They're the really kind people in the living room who go up to the Christmas tree. They'll get on their knees beside the Christmas tree, look at the tags nice and carefully, and go and deliver the presents to everyone in the room. Are you a deliverer? I'm sure you've got to be one of those. But my question is, how do you go and unwrap your Christmas presents? How do you unwrap those gifts? Now, now this Advent season, we are thinking about the opening of a gift, But not just any old gift, of course, the greatest gift that has ever been given, Jesus Christ. The Bible describes Jesus as an indescribable gift. The greatest gift that has ever been given to anyone at any time. So what we're going to do this Advent season is, bit by bit, we are going to unwrap this Advent gift of Jesus and explore exactly why Jesus is the greatest gift that has ever been given. So to do it this Advent season though, we're going to look at one famous scene in the Christmas story. You know it well and we sing about it. It's that serene nighttime landscape. This arid place and there are some shepherds watching their sheep doing their job and this serene midnight silence that the shepherds are enjoying is broken, it's shattered, they are startled in fear because an angel comes to bring some good news. Now in this scene though, we get some ideas given from the angel as to why Jesus and his arrival is such good news. What we find in this scene is the angel and in the interaction with the shepherds details some things as to why Jesus is the linchpin of history. We find out from the angel that, that this good news of Jesus is great joy. We find out he's a city, a city, a saviour born in the city of David, and, and then we find that this saviour also brings peace. So peace, a saviour, sorry, joy, a saviour who brings peace. And so each week up until Christmas, I want to look at one of these. And so this week, I want to look at joy, that elusive emotion, or maybe something we experience more often in our lives, but I want to think about joy. Now before we dive in, we need to talk about this last year, I think, and how in many ways this last year has been utterly joyless for a lot of us, that from March onwards, Our lives have been completely disconnected. We felt despondent. It's been a struggle. Our normal routines and the things we enjoy in life have been taken from us or completely upended. We could say this last year we have struggled to find joy. It's been a difficult one. And I recognize that. And I felt that. I know what it's been like this year. I think we all have, to one degree or another, found joy difficult to reach these last few months. But but my hope this morning, as, it, as we consider and as we dig into just this initial part of what the first angel says, uh, my, my hope and my prayer is that we would find something of that joy in the good news of Jesus. That joy wouldn't be so far out of our reach and maybe we would experience a renewal of the good, new, good news of Jesus and the joy he brings in our lives this morning. So let's think about joy and this morning I want to organize this into three key questions I want to ask a what question I want to ask a why question and then I want to ask a how question the what question what is joy let's define it because if we don't know what joy is we're not going to understand what the angel means what is joy a why question why is the good news of Jesus cause for great joy I mean, why? Why? What does the angel have to say? Why should we be joyful at this good news? And then the how question, how does this land in my life? This good news of great joy, how does this good news meet me today? How can I find joy in Jesus? So let's have a look at the first one of these questions. What is Joy. What is joy? Now let's pour over again, Luke chapter two and verse ten. We get this initial statement from the the angel here. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. So the 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 angel begins by saying, "Fear not." We know this is completely understandable. The shepherds are completely startled, and their silence has been shattered. Of course, the angel is going to have to say, "Fear not." But the angel says right here, because I have got some good news. Now, what's good news? Good news is a declaration. Good news is an announcement. Good news is something to proclaim. And the angel says, I've got something to proclaim. But what it is I have to say to you, the angel says, will bring great joy. Okay, what is joy? Here's the definition I'm going to work with this morning. Here's what joy is. Joy, before I give you the definition, you've got to know joy is an emotion. We often miss this. And I'm going to explain this in a moment. But joy is, is something that we feel. And joy is something that we show. So it, so it is an emotional response. So here's the definition. Joy is a happy, delighted, pleased, emotional response to something good or something welcome that has come our way. That's what joy is. I'll say that again. I think it's really important for us to get that. Joy is... A happy, pleased, delighted, emotional response to something good or something welcome that has come our way. It's when a benefit comes our way and we feel that deep-seated happiness and we show that happiness that we feel that something good that has come our way. Now that's what joy is. We need to understand, therefore, what the angel means when the angel says, I bring you this good news which is going to cause you joy. Now, I think we understand joy wrongly, or, or we miss it, or we miss the, 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 the breadth and the depth of what joy really is. So, so in order to understand joy properly, we're going to have to look at two things here when it comes to joy. First thing, first thing to know, joy is not different from happiness. Joy is not different from happiness. Now, I know for some of you, you might be thinking, Oh, big deal. I never thought joy was different to happiness. It's the same thing, isn't it? There's that feeling, a, a delighted feeling that you have, and you can pick a word, either joy or happiness. If that's your understanding, hold on to that. That's good. That's a good biblical understanding. But the thing is, a lot of us have been taught, in, and, and I think I have absorbed this teaching, and I think I've even encouraged people in this. Maybe I've even told people from here that joy and happiness are different. Well, joy is something worldly, but, sorry, happiness is something worldly, but but joy is deep rooted and it's what a Christian experience is. But as I'm pouring over the Bible, and you can see this in all different translations, and throughout Christian history, joy and happiness are words that are used interchangeably. Now, I'll show you why that's important here. Because often the teaching goes like this, and this is, this is the wrong understanding we're going to throw out this morning, okay? We, often it goes like this, that, that happiness is tied to circumstances. But happiness can be worldly. I mean, happiness is a fleeting emotion that comes with a fleeting smile, and it comes and goes in our lives. That's happiness. And the wrong understanding then continues to say, but joy is different. Joy is deeper. Joy doesn't necessarily have a smile, Joy can have a stoic sigh. Joy is something that isn't tied to circumstances. And I just have this deep-seated contentment, said he, without a smile on his face. But, but you read through scripture. You read through different translations of scripture. You read through church history. They're one and the same thing. Words used to describe that delighted and pleased response to something welcome that's come your way. Now, Now, why is that so important? Well, I think far too often, far too often, we have used this wrong understanding of joy by splitting these words up to justify when we are not showing happiness in the gospel. Well, I don't have happiness, but I do have joy. No. No, what the angel's saying here is this good news calls for that happy, delighted, and pleased response in the good news. You see, the way the Bible frames joy, joy is celebratory. Joy has a skip in its step. Joy whistles. Joy is something we feel and joy is something we show. Joy has a heart that dances. Joy has a smile on its face because something good has come our way. So joy and happiness really are one and the same thing here. Second thing we need to know about joy, this is really important too, is that there are different types of joy. You can experience what I want to call an everyday joy, or you can experience what I want to call a spiritual joy. Now an everyday joy is something open to everybody, everybody follower of Jesus or not. It's not necessarily spiritually discerned, but it's when we feel happy and delighted when something good comes our way. So what's an everyday joy? "Oh, that key lime pie was delicious. It put a smile on my face. That's an everyday joy. Or um, I became an uncle for the third time. Yes, and that is a joy. Or England made it out of the group stages." Yes, that's great. Or, uh, I don't know. Um, I'm thinking of some more. Uh, Oh, I saved £40 on my car insurance today. It's going to be a great day. Or, that wedding was beautiful. Did you hear the music? The band was amazing. Or, the doctor's given me a letter and it says cancer-free. Great joy. That's an everyday joy that is open to everyone. It's that happy response to something good. But a spiritual joy, I think, does go a bit deeper. A spiritual joy is spiritually discerned. A spiritual joy has an awareness... Of what God is doing. A spiritual joy. We have eyes from the Holy Spirit. To see what God is doing in this world. So so a spiritual joy. Would be like this. Um, I am so grateful. That our God opened the eyes of that person. I have been praying for for 20 years. And now they know who Jesus is. And their lives have been radically transformed. By his grace. I delight in that. See that is a spiritual joy. It is spiritually discerned. Or looking at the sunset. That is stunning, and I can see God's handiwork in the hues on the horizon skyline, and I love that. You see, It it puts a skip in our steps. It's beautiful. It brings us joy. It's spiritually discerned, isn't it? See, that's how we need to be understanding joy here. We have everyday joys open to everyone, but a spiritual joy is spiritually discerned when we see what God is doing, and it uh, bubbles over in a joy in our hearts. Now let's come back to verse 10 here in Luke chapter 2, bringing our understanding here. The angel says, this is good news of great joy. So what does that mean right here? Okay, what it means then, is the angel is calling for a happy response to this good news. The angel is saying to the shepherds, the appropriate response for the news of a savior in Bethlehem is for happiness, for delight, to be pleased, to feel that joy and to show it an appropriate response here is that joy. But this is also a spiritual joy. It's for those who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to be able to see this isn't just a made-up story from 2,000 years ago. This is good news for me today. And I am delighting in that truth. You see right here, this is a cause for great joy. Okay, that's our what question, understanding joy a bit more. But now our why question. Why... Is this good news a cause for great joy? Before I get into this, I I do have to go over where I've already been. I do understand that joy can feel a million miles away from some of us. And after the year that we've had, and perhaps even the things that we have been through recently, joy feels a long way from our grasp. And we wish it was closer. This year has been hard. And when we talk about joy, maybe we feel even more ground down and we start thinking to ourselves, I I can't do with joy. I've got to deal with the problems of today. So when we talk about joy, my hope then, if that's where you are, my hope is that you will see from this, in the why question and the how question, is, is that the good news of Jesus does bring us joy that maybe you'll find that seed of joy is planted in your heart this morning and it begins to grow more and more throughout the Christmas season. And that the joy that felt a million miles away might be a few steps closer to you today. So let's ask our why question. Why is this good news a cause for great joy? Let me give you three things firstly. That God's silence was broken. This is good news. His silence was broken. Now, Now Israel hadn't had a word from God for 400 years until this point. No word from a prophet, no page from scripture, no voice from heaven, God hadn't said a word. So what happens on this hillside is yes, the shepherd's silence is completely shattered, but so too is the silence from heaven for the entire nation and indeed the world. God's silence is broken to the shepherds, God's silence is broken to the world. And this is good news of great joy. Now, we have silences in our own lives, don't we? We know what silence feels like. Silence is all over the place. We have awkward silences. You can find those in a home group, can't you? (laughs) You can find an awkward silence. Always for me in the doctor's waiting room, I try and strike up a conversation, but nobody seems to respond. That can be really awkward sometimes. Or you can have a relaxing silence after the kids go to bed. Ah, Or after the the extended family have left and gone home, the raving hordes have left and you can put your house back together. That's a relaxing silence, isn't it? Or you can have a hopeful silence. The hush that comes over a crowd just before the penalty kick is about to be taken. But then there's the worst kind of silence, a deafening silence. Deafening silence. That's when you feel incredibly lonely and you need somebody to speak into the pain. You need somebody to say something when you don't know what to say. Sometimes when we're ground down by our own guilt and shame, it drives us to a place of knowing that silence. It feels deafening because you need a word, but there is no word for you. What Israel's going for right here, what they're going through is that deafening silence. God, where are you? You said we were your people. You made a covenant with us and you were supposed to send a savior, but there hasn't been a word for four centuries now. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be one of those generations that were born in the 400 years? No word from God. But right now, the breaking of the silence on this hillside. That shows us right here that God's silence is broken. God has spoken in history. There is good news. He is on the move. And there is salvation for his people in this savior that's born in the city of David. Can you see this is cause for great joy because God's silence is broken. The second reason for great joy right here. What's the second reason for great joy? Is that there is a saviour in Bethlehem. Have a look at this, this verse 11 where the angel carries on from this. For, this will be for all peoples. For unto you, born this day in the city of David, a saviour who is Christ the Lord. A saviour is born in Bethlehem. Second reason for great joy. Like, okay, well... How is this news of a saviour something that will produce joy within me when I see it? How is that supposed to work? Well, we can find joy in knowing Jesus as our saviour when we understand what a saviour does. A saviour saves us from something. That's what a saviour does. All right, well, Jesus is our saviour. What has he saved us from then? Well, the answer is Jesus has saved us from our sin. He saved us from the consequences of our sin. He saved us from hell and the wrath of God. And Jesus has saved us to himself and has provided for us an eternal life and an unshakable hope. So in understanding the joy of a savior, we have to understand fully what we've been saved from and what we are saved to by this savior. Do you see that? The amount of joy we experience in Jesus completely correlates with understanding how far fallen we are and how much Jesus has done to save us you want joy in Jesus understand how deep your sin goes but also understand how much Jesus has done it's something we neglect don't we it's hard to admit the reality of our own sin sin goes wider than we ever imagined you know, very often, we like to say that the problem of sin is out there. You know, the problem in this world is with the corrupt governments. It's the systems. The problem is with my neighbour. If they would just shut up for a moment, the problem is that person at work. Oh, oh, no, no. The problem is that person who hurt me 15 years ago. No, the problem is that family member who just can't get it right. You know, for us, for often for us, uh, the, the problem is out there in the world. But the the scriptures point us to the problem being inside of us too. The, the sin is not just corrupted every facet of our world. It's also every fiber of our own hearts. Sin runs through every single human heart too. So it's, it's wider than we think. But sin is also deeper than we realize. And sometimes we think we are the answer to our own problems. That we can save ourselves. Or we turn to something in this world that bears the promise of salvation but never wins. We can never be, find that freedom that we're looking for from, the, from, from, from this world. But only Jesus can save us from the deepest problem, which is our sin. Sin goes deeper than we realize. Sin also goes higher than we imagined. Your sin splits us. It fractures us. It separates us from our God. Our God is entirely holy. He is completely perfect. He is utterly just. He is totally pure in all of his ways. And he cannot stand sin. And so that means there's a fractured relationship between he and us. But here's some good news. Are you ready? There is a Savior who came to live the life that we could never live, die the death we deserved, and rise to new life. Do you see this? Sin is bigger than we imagined, but we also are more loved than we ever realized. And our joy in the good news of the gospel is directly tied To the understanding of what a saviour does. A saviour saves us from something and to something. From sin and to himself. The more we understand the gravity of each of those. The more joy we will experience in the good news in our lives. There's good news today. Of great joy because there is a saviour in the town of David. Third reason right here. Look at the end of verse 10. Why we can have joy. Look at that. I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. You see what the angel is saying here, there is good news. And this good news is for anyone who will come. Good news for anyone who will come. The doors are wide open. Come and receive his grace. Now I think, in my experience as a pastor, that this is one of the hardest things for people to get their heads around. That this good news is really for anyone. That it really is open doors for anyone who will come and receive this grace. Now why? Why is it that people find this a difficult concept to understand? Here's why I think. Because we live in a world and we live in a culture that preaches a very poisonous message to us. That crushes people and has claimed a lot of victims. I mean this cultural message that's preached to us happens so often. And it's so interwoven in our world that we probably don't even realize that it's there. It's just in our thinking. And it goes like this. You will be accepted if you can be that. You will be enough if you can do that. You will be worthwhile and acceptable if you have that in your life and you can be that. If you have that car, then you're acceptable. If you have that house, then you are acceptable. If you have that popularity, you will be acceptable. You have that achievement. You have that income. You have that image. You will then be acceptable in the world's sight. But here's the fickleness of our world. It drives me crazy. The world has this promise of acceptance if you can be this, do this and have this and yet it never pays back on the promise because the world loves this and social media loves it too. They will have you on this treadmill running as quick as you can full of exhaustion to this promise of acceptance and yet you haven't moved a single inch. No wonder why our world is so exhausted, so disillusioned, so bent out of shape and so hurt. And one of the dangers is, this happens so often, that that's so ingrained in our minds that I'm accepted on the grounds of my behavior and what I am, that's so ingrained in our minds we end up bringing it into our spiritual lives and going to God with that thinking. That crushes us too. Because we don't believe the good news. It's hard to believe then, isn't it? Well, I'm acceptable in God's sight on the grounds of what I do, who I am and what I can be. Well, I better start running. But the trouble is we're still on this treadmill. And we haven't moved a single inch in our own efforts. And we're exhausted. You see, the good news of the gospel, the Christian message, is so countercultural that what I'm about to say, you might even miss it. Because you've been bit the bait of this culture. The good news of the gospel says you can't do it. You can't get there. Acceptance from God doesn't happen because of what you have. Or who you are, or what you can be, what you can do. So get off that treadmill. You haven't moved an inch, you won't move an inch. Get off the treadmill and begin to admit that you're a sinner just like me and we can't find acceptance with our God on the grounds of our good behavior and our moral decisions. We can't. We are far fallen. Romans tells us that. We've fallen far short of God's righteous standards. But here's the good news. There is a Savior who can. There is a Savior who does. There is a Savior who has. Do you see why the Christian message is so much more liberating than our culture? The culture has us on this exhausting treadmill. We haven't moved at all. But the good news says, I know it's counterintuitive, but get off the treadmill. Because you can rest for the first time in your lives. You will not be out of breath anymore because you'll you'll admit that you can't do it. And then when you admit that you can't do it, you lean in on the grace of Jesus Christ. You throw yourself on him for mercy. You go to him for the forgiveness that you so desperately need. That's where you can find the joy in this life, not in this world. And you see, that's the rest. That's the rest from the demands of this world. That's the rest from the heavy expectations you have been feeling and weighed down on your shoulders. Hasn't this culture claimed so many victims? But the good news gives us a different, better story. Your rest is found in Jesus, and it's through His grace. That's why we sing Amazing Grace, and it sounds so sweet. Do you see that? No, bring this back here. This is a good news for anyone. You see this? If the good news, which is acceptance and being made right with God, was on the grounds of our good behavior and what we can do and what we have, then no one could come. The angel couldn't be there on the hillside and say, oh, anyone could come. The angel would have to say, well, no one could come because you can't get it right. But the angel doesn't say that. The angel says, this is for anyone who will come. How is it possible that anyone could come? It's possible that anyone can come because it's on the basis of grace. And because it's by grace, that means the worst of us can come. The vilest offender can come and receive this grace. Because it's by grace, that means it's for anyone. That means the doors are wide open and the embrace of Jesus is wider than you could ever imagine. Because it's by grace. That's why the angel can say here, this is good news for everyone. So come and receive this grace. Do you see this is good news? This is good news of great joy for you and me today. And maybe you begin to feel the good news of joy beginning to grow in your heart at the end of a very dark year. Number three, and let's do this briefly here. How does this land in my life today? How does this good news meet me? Well, let's go back through those points right there we just did. How does it meet you? Well, God's silence is broken but his silence is broken for you. You see that? His silence is broken for you. You know, God's broken silence means that he says, I've not forgot about my people. Wait, my timing is perfect. You can trust in my promises. I said I would send a savior and I've done that. And in Jesus, we have God's loud yes to his promises. In Jesus, we see who God really is. And in Jesus, we have the very word of God himself to us. God has spoken, which means he is faithful, which means he can be trusted, and his silence has been broken for you. Can you see God in the face of Jesus this Christmas time? This is good news of joy. To go back through these points here, remember, how does this meet me in my life? Well, there's a Savior born in Bethlehem, and he's been born for you. Do you see that today? Our sin is greater than we could imagine. It's deeper than we realized. It goes higher than we ever like to admit. But there's a Savior, so that means there's good news. And you can go to him. You can go to Jesus and receive this good news that the angel talks about. There is a Savior in Bethlehem for you. And thirdly, how does this land in my life? Well, Anyone can come. Maybe for you it's time to get off the treadmill that the culture has you on. You're tired. You're fed up. You've been chasing this model of you that the culture has told you you can find but you haven't found it yet. You're exhausted and you haven't moved an inch. Well, it's time to get off and to know that deep-seated liberation, that freedom in your heart when you say, I can't but I know someone who can. I haven't but I know someone who has. I won't, but I know someone who will. And I'm leaning in on the grace of Jesus today. That's exactly where this meets you. Now, we've had a long and miserable year, haven't we? It's been really hard for a lot of us at many turns over the last little while. Exhaustion, joylessness. Where can we find happiness when we're so disconnected in our lives? But today, what we've seen from the proclamation of the angel is that there is good news of great joy. And this great joy is for us. So may we be a kind of people who not only feel, but show the happy, delighted response when we know the good news of Jesus. Let's pray together, shall we? And then the band are gonna play. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift, the unmatchable, indescribable gift of Jesus this Christmas time. We are full of thanks and we are full of joy. Father, we know it's been a rough last little while. Joylessness has been our portion in many ways. But we pray you would replace that with the joy of the good news. That this morning you would plant the seeds of joy within our lives as we recognize, as we know, and experience the good news of Jesus today. Father, fill us with joy. A joy that we feel. A joy that we show. A joy that transforms our lives from the inside out. Make us a people who are characterized by the great joy that the angel announces. Help us see this. Help us to see this. Experience it and know it. We're praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's been great to be together this morning. And great for those of you at home joining us. Thanks for coming along as we go may we be the kind of people who know this good news that the angel talks about so much so we will feel and we will show the great joy of jesus go in peace saints